You're listening to Uncommon Thinking, a podcast from Advertising Week. Beloved sports and entertainment brand WWE has always been ahead of the curve. Over the past five decades, WWE has remained a global phenomenon not only by consistently producing exciting edge-of-your-seat programming, but because its leadership is always looking for ways to be a disruptor as trends in media, live entertainment, and sports come and go. Stephanie McMahon, WWE's Chief Brand Officer, will discuss how WWE has innovated across platforms over the years and shares why brands must constantly take risks in order to thrive. We hope you enjoy this episode. I'm Michael Goretzman. I'm the Global Programming Director at Advertising Week. I'm thrilled to have Stephanie McMahon join us today. Thank you very much. This session is all about being ahead of the curve, and I really think of WWE as an organization that is always ahead of the curve, and so we're going to talk about that today, and uh, yeah, thanks again. So let's talk about the past year and a half. It's been a pretty crazy year and a half. I don't know what you're talking uh, about. Just stuff happened, right? <laughs> no, look, this is a, a year where a live events industry kind of had to pivot, and you guys really made calculated risks and, and pivoted in a big way for the live events. So when an in-person audience wasn't feasible, talk us through kind of the, the decision-making process and how you pivoted. Sure. Um, so just for a little bit of context, WWE produces a minimum of seven hours of live content every single week uh, for our partners, USA Network and Fox Broadcast. And we made it a point, even during the worst times of the pandemic, to never go off the air. Um, we did that, of course, for our partners, but primarily for our audience, for our fans. We wanted to give them an opportunity to escape, especially so much fear and uncertainty. We wanted to give them that outlet. So um, it was March 11th, I think, we were producing NXT, which is one of the, the shows aforementioned, a part, two hours of the seven hours on USA Network on Tuesday nights. And... For whatever reason, our partner at Full Sail University couldn't give us their theater that night. So we were producing our show out of our performance center, which is essentially like a warehouse where we train our future superstars. Nothing fancy about it. And we reskinned it and programmed it and everything so it looked the best that it could. And at the same time, all of these things are starting to happen and we're hearing about events shutting down. and. Uh, our trucks were on their way to Detroit to produce Friday Night Smackdown. And uh, this was Tuesday night. And it was actually my husband, Paul Levesque, also known as Triple H for any WWE fans out there. Life imitated art. That's a totally different story that I can get to offline if anyone's interested. But he uh, called my dad, Vince McMahon, who's the chairman and CEO of WWE, and said, you know, I'm hearing all of these you know, potential shutdowns happening. Do you want me to keep the performance center open with this audience seating? And the answer was yes. And about 12 hours later, those trucks were turning around and heading for Orlando, Florida. And we never looked back. Um, we did produce content for a few months, about four to five months with absolutely no audience, and our ratings were certainly not what we wanted them to be. Uh, we would hope that we'd be back in arenas by the fall, and uh, such also was not meant to be. Um, so we then doubled down and invested in what we called the Thunderdome. 
Uh, we brought in nearly a thousand screens virtual in partnership with the Famous Group and really treated it like the round so it had the look and feel of an arena and brought the spectacle back to WWE. We also utilized pyro, lasers, augmented reality, virtual reality, all kinds of things that we weren't able to do before, especially with live humans in the audience. Um, so we learned a lot and we are now applying all of those principles and technology to our live events where we officially returned with fans July 16th of this year. So exciting, so exciting. Yeah, you can <laughs> Thank clap. you, we thank you. It was, it's been quite a, quite a run. <laughs> I, I've said to Stephanie before, I said they're gonna write in textbooks about that pivot, about how you really revolutionized live business, uh, the live events industry during those times, and I think that's actually true. Let's, let's step back for context, and let's just go back in our, our time machine to 1985, WrestleMania one. Huge risk, huge, huge risk, something that had never been done before. Um, that worked out, clearly, here we are today. But it's really, it, it's, it's combined sports and entertainment, and it's become this huge spectacle. Today, you have cities competing to have it. It's, it's probably held in, in the same regard as the Super Bowl. Where were we in 85? Where were we, let's just say, let's cut it in the, the middle-ish, 15 years ago? Where are we now? How has this evolved? Oh my goodness, it has evolved so much. So WrestleMania, as you said, is, is akin to our Super Bowl. It's uh, ranked by Forbes as one of the top 10 most valuable sports brands, um, actually ahead of the World Series and, and great company with the, the Super Bowl and the World Cup and of course the Olympics. Um, but WrestleMania, before it launched, it was really, you know, my father, again, Vince's vision of how are we going to put WWE on the map in 1985. No such thing as social media. There's no texting, right? There, there's no way to easily find your news. So how are we going to get people interested? What were we going to do? And he came up with this concept that was designed to be like our Grammys, like our Super Bowl, and combine the best of pop culture. So we had Liberace and the Rockettes open the show. Billy Martin was a special ring announcer. Muhammad Ali was a special guest referee. Cindy Lauper accompanied Wendy Richter to the ring for the women's match as a part of the rock and wrestling yes. connection that we had with MTV at that time. Um, it was really a who's who. And for the first time, Hulk Hogan was on the cover of Sports Illustrated and was a part of The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, just to you know, put things in context a little bit. Um, but my parents, what people don't know about the story is that my parents mortgaged everything that they owned to make WrestleMania one happened. They believed in themselves and they took that calculated risk. Um, and that's something that they've done time and time again throughout my life, throughout our business. Because if you really believe in something, you have to be willing to fight for it and you have to be willing to put it all on the line to go get it. And now it's a multi-day event. It's, it's a massive spectacle. Well now, yes, and now um, it actually helped launch WWE's direct-to-consumer product, the WWE Network, which we have now evolved. Um, so that was eight years ago that we first launched. Um, it was really Netflix, Hulu, and, and WWE Network. There were a few others, but that's, that's sort of how I position it. And um, we've decided during this time frame, we've learned a lot, learned a lot about our audience. We've learned a lot about streaming. We've learned a lot about content, which has always been at our core. Um, but what we also learned is that we're not a technology company. And we're not going to be able to compete with the likes of Apple and Amazon and Disney in the technology space. So we decided to license our content that was on WWE Network to Peacock domestically. And we are currently in the process of shopping that content internationally. 
And uh, it's been a huge success for us. So, so yet another pivot and WrestleMania. So now it's available on Peacock. It is now a multi-day event. We have nearly 12 activations in the communities that we go to, um, whether it's hospital visits or uh, anti-bullying rallies at boys and girls clubs, or it's recognizing you know, local community heroes. It's our Hall of Fame. It's you know, SmackDown Live. It's a week's worth of events. It's, it's huge for us. Yeah. And to your point, you've got the Peacock deal that's going on now. Original content is something that you've really gone all in on. You know, you've got, we've got reality shows. We've got incredible documentaries. There's one about WrestleMania, the history of WrestleMania, that I highly recommend, actually. There's also one I'm going to throw a wrench in here, because oh, yeah. this was not, not in, our, in our prepared remarks. I told you I was going to do this. So um, uh, on 9-11, um, uh, 20 years ago, WWE was the first live public assembly of its size in Houston, Texas, two days after 9-11. Um, it was a huge risk uh, that, that we took, and we have a documentary that's available on Peacock that tells the story, and um, two, two stories to tell on that. To hear my father talk about the decision-making that, that went on that for those couple of days, how hard it was, especially for some of our talent you know, to perform on the heels of, of such an emotional um, and scary attack on our country. What was it gonna mean for those of us live in attendance? What did it mean to our fans? And that documentary has just helped me relive what it felt like, the positive energy that came from our fans that night, waving the American flag, the, the unity, the bringing of people together. I mean, it was just, it was absolutely beautiful, but yet another, calculated risk. Oh, absolutely. Something I know you're proud of and something that's worth celebrating and, and shining light on here is the evolution of women wrestling, right, and, and what it was a decade ago, where it is today. Today, I mean, you have these women who are stealing the show, just, just totally stealing the show and blowing all of the matches out of the water. And, and this week, you have women's matches in Saudi Arabia, which is just groundbreaking. Talk us through just the evolution and the impact that it's had on the brand. Sure. Well, we had started training and developing elite athletes, both male and female. And what had happened was we had started to give our women the same opportunities as the men in our developmental system. So they were training the same way as the men, having the same match time, the same opportunities. And they started to steal the show. Uh, so that let, gave rise then on Monday Night Raw in 2015, there was a women's tag match, so four women competing, that lasted all of 30 seconds on a three-hour show. Mm -hmm. And our fans demanded more from us, quite simply. And they started a hashtag called Give Divas a Chance that trended worldwide for three days, specifically calling for longer matches, more athleticism, better storylines, better character development. And we responded, again, in the biggest way possible with our chairman and CEO tweeting, we hear you keep watching, hashtag Give Divas a Chance. That has then given rise to our women main eventing and performing in all of our programming, including WrestleMania. We had our first ever women's match in Abu Dhabi that took over six years for us to be able to have. Um, and our women's gear, their clothing had to look different. Um, only their heads and hands could be exposed. But during that match, a chant broke out of men and women chanting, this is hope, which is not a typical WWE chant. And there were tears in the eyes of little girls in the front row. And I just can't imagine the impact that that could have had on all of those people in that arena that night. 
And that has given rise to not one, but two, and soon to be three and four women's matches in Saudi Arabia, where the chant is simply, this is awesome, exactly as it should be. And it is awesome. How great is that? It's great, right? Yeah. Thank you. I mean, that's for all of our women throughout time. <laughs> you threw me a little bit of a curveball. I'll throw you one also. Uh-oh, so OK. You've, you've been in both roles, right? You've, you're, you're behind the scenes, but you've also been in the ring and part of, actively part of storylines. How was that balance? What was that like going through kind of both at the same time for you? What's that personal experience like? You know, it's funny. I've been asked that question before. <laughs> well, no, but I never know how to answer it because yeah. it's just been my experience. Right. Um, that's just how life has always been for me. My father was always, you know, multiple roles. He, but growing up, he was the commentator. And it used to upset me that nobody knew that he was really the boss. And Jesse Ventura <laughs> would talk all this smack to him on commentary. And I'd be like, why do you let him do that? I totally didn't get it, but, uh, but I do now. Um, it's, just, it's just the way it, it has been. It's just this dual, dual role, and we all wear so many different hats. You know, it's just a different hat. Of course. One of the things that I think is really beautiful about the, the WWE universe and the fan base is how diverse it is. And I don't just mean, you know, from a global perspective, just age, you know. You have, you have children, the parents who grew up watching it. Across the board, just such a diverse group watching these, these events, that leads to some really unique opportunities for brands to come on board for a very customized partnership experience. Can you walk us through what that brand experience is like? Sure. So um, more families still watch WWE programming together than any major sports franchise, the only exception being the NFL, on linear. And of course, that number is starting to drop because everyone's watching different devices when they're all together. Uh, but it is generational. It is family friendly. And it is safe. And that's an environment that brands really want to be in. Um, in terms of our younger audience, we find the majority of them on digital and social. Uh, we are the fifth most viewed YouTube channel in the world, um, the number one sports channel on YouTube in the world. Nine out of the 15 most followed female athletes across all social media, going back to the aforementioned women's evolution, um, are female superstars. And we are now the number one sports brand on TikTok. We're neck and neck with the NBA. We just edged them out. I'm sure it's going to be a good fight. <laughs> we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but so digital and social allows a lot of opportunity, as well as then partnering with our pay-per-views, which, as I mentioned now, are, are on Peacock, as well as the live event activation, our creative capabilities, because we utilize all of our television writers, and there's nearly about 45 of them now across all different disciplines to help create content, working with brands and agencies to really make sure that it is something that resonates with our audience. Two examples, one is um, Netflix Army of the Dead. So this is just how WWE can activate in ways that other you know, sports can't, quite frankly, because we write our own storylines. So we can make anything come to life. You know, I, we had um, Army of the Dead stars WWE Hall of Famer Dave Batista, And it's a zombie movie. There's like a fun take on it, but zombies are what's important. So we did this cold open mashup with Dave Batista doing the VO, but then we had these zombies walking around randomly backstage and popping up in different scenes, 
we had them appearing in the virtual screens because at that time it was before we had gone back to the live uh, audience. So all of a sudden zombies are like randomly popping up in the audience, kind of like Easter eggs. And then we had a zombie lumberjack match, which I believe is a first of its kind. I'd say so. <laughs> and a lumberjack match is when you have performers surround the ring and then, you know, heaven forbid, the people who are in the ring fall outside and, you know, we'll see if the good guys or the bad guys get to them and feed them back into the ring. Um, so those superstars who were surrounding the ring were, of course, zombies. And uh, the match ended with all of the zombies coming in over the, the loser and, you know, the lights go out and you're left to your own, you know, imagination. But it was so fun, yeah. completely over-delivered for the client. Um, over 500 billion impressions. Uh, so, I'm sorry, 500 million impressions, half a billion impressions. Um, and it was just really fun. And it was a completely new and different way to integrate. Another example is Old Spice. And they wanted to do less of the in-ring activation and more of the digital and social. So we actually created a superstar called the Night Panther, which was a spinoff on, on their scent, and uh, created this whole lore, this whole backstory. And it was completely ridiculous in the true Old Spice sort of irreverent type humor, uh, really stuck to the brand. And we, again, did a whole digital and social campaign across multiple platforms. And I think it was over 89% of our audience said that they were going to take action for, for Old Spice. So it was um, a success. Delivering, delivering. <laughs> the, the partnerships go beyond brands and corporate. There's a lot of philanthropic work also. You tweeted a few years ago essentially saying that the the future of marketing is philanthropy. I think it might have even been a little misunderstood back then. Totally understood. It was yeah, totally misunderstood. Absolutely. Let's, let's be frank. Today, cause-driven marketing, brand purpose is, I mean, it's a track here, right? Like, it is, we all talk about it. It is the standard. What was it back then that made you say it now? And then can you also just shine a light on some of the great causes that you're, you're working with, too? Sure. Well, I've grown up in WWE as no surprise, especially given this panel, and giving back has always been a part of our brand. We just didn't always talk about it mm -hmm. um, for the very reason that that tweet was misperceived because some people you know, thought you were doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, but again, like you've said, times have changed so much. And for me, for WWE, we have so much reach around the world that I actually feel it's a responsibility for us to promote pro-social messaging, um, whether that's with our hope bucket. So, that, so we have four different pillars to giving back. Hope, we have a partnership with Make-A-Wish that's lasted um, nearly 40 years now, almost since their inception. Susan G. Komen, we're in our eighth year. Um, Connor's Cure, which is uh, a fund that sits with the V Foundation that my husband and I started in honor of an eight-year-old little boy named Connor Mahalik who unfortunately lost his fight against pediatric cancer. Um, and we've raised nearly $4 million and helped over 500 families with things like parking vouchers, food vouchers, unanticipated needs. Um, our inclusion bucket, where we have partnerships with Special Olympics, um, Ad Council, let's see, uh, Civil Rights Museum, a number of different partners. Empowerment pillar is not just women, it's also families. So we have partnerships with UNICEF, 
We worked with Girl Up to create a program called Sports for a Purpose, and that sits with the UN Foundation to encourage more girls you know, to get involved in sports, not only for the leadership qualities that it can create for you and the opportunities, but also all of the ancillary jobs around sports you know, that a lot of girls don't even necessarily think of are available to them. Um, and then service, that used to be our military uh, pillar. We pivoted, um, of course, because we're a global company and military was limiting. Um, but now we're able to you know, really recognize not only big organizations, but also the local community heroes. Um, especially when you consider, you know, in a non-pandemic era, we're at over 500 live events throughout the year, and it gives us the chance to really activate locally. It also then gives our partners an opportunity to activate locally alongside us, you know, wherever it matters to them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've spoken about the live event element and the content element, but Nick Khan has brought on a, a team recently to find these untapped areas that you can kind of loop in also. What are the areas that we've seen brought into the business and how has the team gone about identifying them? Well, I think a lot of them, and Nick Khan is our president, for those of you who don't know, and he came over from CAA. He was the head of television for CAA and he was known as the most powerful man in sports. Um, or, or, or so we tell him. <laughs> um, but at any rate, so he has developed this whole revenue team and we're looking at everything from NFTs, um, various different uh, you know, opportunities that I can't quite announce yet that, that are in the works. Um, it, you know, really across the board, they're seeing opportunities. You know, what, that's what all of us are doing, right? What, what, what are consumers doing? That's the most important part. What are your fans doing? What are the consumers doing? What is the behavioral pattern? So that we can make sure we're there, so we can over-deliver for them on their expectations wherever they are, whenever they are. You're going into the world of audio as well? There's a Spotify yep, deal, Yep, Spotify as well. Tell yep. us about that. Yeah, that sounds exciting. Uh, we're, we have a, a podcast deal with Spotify, and we have a, a number of different shows lined up. Um, we actually have uh, Pat McAfee made the transition from podcasting to being a SmackDown commentator, and he is thoroughly entertaining. Um, and, and that's the goal. We want to be entertaining. We want to reach people where they are. There's When you think about WWE and all of our superstars throughout the years, it's all of this intellectual property. Each and every character has a backstory, and each and every person and individual has a backstory. It's just this wealth of content just waiting to be told. Yeah. You know, we've spoken a lot about the way in which you've rolled with the punches and adapting to change your leaders in adapting to change. So what would you say to brands, organizations, and let's even go as far as saying individuals, advice on just adapting to change? I think you have to embrace change. Um, and I think that that's very hard for, for a lot of people to do. Change can be hard, but it's really worth it. You just have to embrace it and be willing to go with it. You have to put it all on the line if you're, if you're going to take a big risk. You can't give up, you have to believe in yourself, and it should be a calculated risk. So when we did launch the WWE Network, um, you know, as I mentioned eight years ago, we were actually pretty far down the pike with a linear negotiation um, that wanted to lock up our rights for about 10 years. And we took a step back and said, well, hang on a second, we don't want our rights to be locked up for 10 years. What are our other opportunities here? We did a deeper dive on our research and found that our audience was five times more likely to consume online video. And we decided that's it, we're gonna control our own destiny. And that's when we invested in WWE Network. So it's, it's when I say calculated risk, it's based on research and gut. You don't wanna just take risks for risk, risk's sake. 
you want to make sure that it is calculated, that there is some data to back up your gut, and then believe in your gut and go with it and never look back. And learn from your mistakes, because you'll make a lot of them on the way, and that's OK, too. Love it. We've got time for one more question. OK. We've got people in the room, and then uh, certainly we have a large streaming audience as well watching now who may not watch wrestling. What would you say to the uninitiated fans who don't watch, who have these preconceived notions about what the industry is? And what would you say to, to bring them on board and, and, and get them kind of check it out? So I would say um, WWE is like a live action adventure soap opera. There's absolutely nothing like it on TV. You have to give it a chance. The best way to experience it is to come live. Because when you sit there, even if you're not familiar with the storylines, the fans surrounding you are more than happy to fill you in. They want to welcome you into the community. They want you to be a part of the family. WrestleMania has people from 60 different countries, all 50 states, all different backgrounds, all different beliefs, but they come together to share this passion, this thing that they love, WWE. And I would say for anybody who's uninitiated, we would love to welcome you to our family. It's so much fun. You've got to check it out. <laughs> Seriously, TV, in person, live, check it out. This has been honor. I, I've just had so much fun with you today. Thank you so much for doing it. No, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you guys for all coming. Really appreciate it. Stephanie McMahon, everybody. <laughs> thank you for listening. For more content like this or to find out more about Advertising Week's world-leading events for the advertising, marketing, and technology industries, visit wwe.advertisingweek.com.